Father, we just thank you for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're in the business of changing lives as we begin Colossians. Paul says this same message has been going out all over the world and it changes lives. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love mankind. You love every single man, woman, and child in the world. And you have great compassion, great pity on the brokenness, the wretchedness, Lord, of human beings. We are, Lord, wretched. We are despicable in our sinfulness and our rebellion to you. Father, we ask that your gospel would go out in this city through us, through other believers, and through the believers around the world. We ask you, Heavenly Father, that you would speak to our hearts tonight through your word. We ask you, Heavenly Father, you would bless the Ever Island Faith Initiative and that you'd open up a place for them to meet and provide, Lord, for the needs that they have and that young men and women would begin to come to know Jesus Christ. They wouldn't end up in the system. They wouldn't end up in prison. But they'd end up in the body of Christ and the family of Jesus Christ. We're blessed beyond, Lord, what we can imagine. And we just ask you, Lord, you fill our hearts with the compassion of Jesus Christ for the world we live in, in Jesus' name. Amen. I met so many new folks here tonight. I want to welcome you. It's wonderful to have you. I don't know the various ways you found out about The Rock, maybe through friends or other people, but thank you tonight for joining us. If you ever like to write to me, I'd love to hear your faith story. I read them all. Mark at rockthechurch.com. I would love to hear from you. Um, It would be a privilege to hear your story. So we're doing a series in the book of Colossians. Let me just say before I get started, I want to say hello to our guys up at Camp Ripley. Uh, Matt and Nate, they're up there. They're jumping up and down right now. That's what uh, I was told by Matt. So I wanted to say hi to our guys. Thank you for serving our nation, guys, and for loving Jesus and to being a light to the guys in your unit. I also want to comment to our folks out there in our fireside room. Just remember that folks are out there, many of them, who would like to hear the message. So if you could just keep your voices down, that would be great. I can't see you out there, but I'm just pretending you're there. I know you're there. God bless you all. I love you. (laughs) All right, so we're looking at the book of Colossians. And um, again, Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul in prison when he wrote Ephesians and Philemon and Philippians It's believed he wrote all four of these little letters at the same time. He's never been to the city of Colossae, but he knows Epaphras very well. And Epaphras brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to Colossae. I love that, that simply anyone can bring the gospel to a city. You may remember the Samaritan woman. A woman who had slept with many men. And she went back to her city and told them what Jesus had done for her. And it said the whole city believed. But here's how we know that. They came out. She said, hey, come hear this man who told me everything I've ever done. They came and they listened. And then they said these words. Now we believe not only because of what you told us, but because of what we've heard from him. God can use anyone. Please know this. God can use anyone if we're just willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're beginning here in chapter 2. And Paul is writing tonight, I brought with you 
my living Bible. I love the living Bible. I wish you could know how much I have struggled in prayer for you and the church in Laodicea and for many other friends who have never known me personally. I love that passage. I love that. I don't know if you know this, but any man or pastors you or shepherds you has a passion for your life. You have no idea how many times I have in my own prayer closet or with my wife been agonizing with tears in prayer for your spiritual development or for a particular trial that you may be going through that you've made me aware of and I'm lifting it up to God. I admire this. I learned this from Paul. I've always been struck by the prayer life of Paul, by the fact that he laid hold of God and he knew God can change things, and so he prayed. I believe one of the reasons Paul knew this, I'll just give you my little theory. Some of you may not know this, but the Apostle Paul spent about eight years of his ministry life locked up in prison. He didn't have cell phones, he didn't have letters, he didn't have instant messaging, he didn't have email. He had no car to get around in. Imagine if you're the Apostle Paul and you're leading these new churches, new young people to Christ, and you know all the kind of lies, all the kind of Judaizers that are following behind you, trying to convert the new Christians to the Judaic way of life, which we're going to get into tonight, by the way, which was anathema to the gospel. You no longer needed the Judaic law to be right with God, and yet they would follow him and try to pervert the gospel. Can you imagine the stress that this father in the faith would have felt locked up in prison, no access to the people he led to Christ, wondering how are they doing? Are they going to make it? The evil one's after them. His weapon, prayer. For he knew the Spirit of God was not restrained by walls, but God can move anywhere. And it gives me such passionate hope and fervent desire to pray because I know I may not be able to speak to you. I may not know everything going on in your life. God does, and I'm asking him to work in your life. And this is one of the great ways that Paul and also Epaphras who later on in the book of Colossians says, I can testify that Epaphras is always wrestling for you in his prayers. You ever seen guys in the UFC when they get down on the ground? You ever see the kind of struggle, the physical exertion of wrestling for your life? That's what Paul is denoting here. This was no little sappy, effeminate little, oh dear Lord, bless those people. This was agonizing, wrestling, emotive prayer, like Jesus would pray. In the book of Hebrews, it says during his time on earth, he lifted up his soul with cries and groanings to his father who could deliver himself from death. You may find that some of the reasons your prayers are not being answered is because you're not laying hold of God, because there is no fervency nor serious commitment to really pray. This is what I am asking God for, that you'll be encouraged and knit together with the strong ties of love and that you'll have the rich experience of knowing Christ with real certainty and clear understanding. Wow, I love that text. First, Lord, encourage the saints. 
God, I pray you be encouraged. Oh, how I pray you be encouraged in the Lord. You be encouraged in your spirit. It's so difficult, and I know this myself, to move forward in life when we're discouraged. When the courage is taken out of us and we're facing discouragement. Paul knew about that. His circumstances were often quite difficult. He's praying you be encouraged. Then secondly, they would be knit together with strong ties of love. Boy, you know, I love this church. I birthed this church. And others have joined and we work together. But you have no idea sometimes how I yearn for greater unity. How I yearn that we be knit together. We love one another. Believe the best about one another with the strong ties of love. Not be fault-finding, criticizing, nitpicking each other. Be knit together. Knit together by the strong ties of love, man. We're in a war and the enemy's out there, not here. And the devil's out there coming after us. We're not the enemy. We are the family of God, the bride of Christ, and we are members of his body and members of one another. And that we would have the rich experience of knowing Christ with real certainty and clear understanding. Oh, how I pray that we would know Christ. That you would know Christ, and that's the theme. 41 times in the book of Colossians, Christ is mentioned. Christ. Christ is everything. For God's secret plan, now at last made known, is Christ. God's whole plan is not a system. It's Christ. It's the person of God in Jesus Christ. He's the plan. In him lie all the mighty untapped treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Boy, I just reminded when I read that text, when I think of James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men without partiality, but don't be double-minded in your asking, for you'll not receive anything. Can't be vacillating. Lord, I really believe you can help me. Help me, God. And then you go after it and you seek him and you seek his book and you seek his wisdom. For in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this because I am afraid that someone may fool you with smooth talk. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. Happy because you were getting along so well. Happy because of your strong faith in Christ. I, I love those two things. Paul says, this gives me happiness. You're getting along. Well, you're getting along because you're walking in the truth. You can't get along if you're not walking in the truth. And because of your strong faith in Christ. Now listen to this. And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him also for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. That's a challenge, isn't it? Oh, man, you know, I look back when I first came to Christ so many years ago, actually almost 45, 46 years ago, when I came to Christ 40 and a half years ago, when I began to really follow him. Accepting Jesus, in on the one hand, it was so simple, just that simple act of faith, and I put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. But I find the great challenge is when life happens and life comes crashing down on us. And life is so difficult and challenging to just simply go back and trust that same Jesus 
for each day's problems and live in union with him. That the God who saw to my salvation, the God who did went all the trouble to come down and become a man and all the pain and anguish to redeem me is the same God who will trouble himself now to care for my trials and my needs and my problems. He loves you. You are the apple of God's eye and he will not abandon you. We learn to live in vital union with Christ. Let your roots grow down in him and drop nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught and let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. For all he has done. Listen, I'll tell you from experience, circumstances in your life as a Christian are often going to be difficult. They're going to be difficult. The life of the righteous is hard on earth. That's the fact. But that does not mean we cannot have joy and we cannot overflow with thankfulness for all Christ has done and all we have coming and all he's working out in our lives now. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Delight yourself in the Lord, the psalmist said. He'll give us the desires of our heart. In his time, God will come through. But through many tribulations, as Paul writes in Acts, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. Do not let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of on what Christ has said. For in Christ there is all of God in human body, so you have everything when you have Christ. And you are filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler with authority over every other power. When you came to Christ, he set you free from your evil desires, not by a bodily operation of circumcision, but by the spiritual operation, the immersion and baptism of your soul by the Holy Spirit. Not water baptism. That's not what saves you. But the immersion of your life in God. You are immersed in Christ. You are immersed in the Holy Spirit. And you were given a spiritual circumcision. Without getting too technical, I'm sure you're all adults here. You understand what male circumcision is. It's the removal of a part of the flesh on a man's very intimate part of his body. Which God did deliberately to remind him of the covenant. All it was was a symbol. It's irrelevant today. Christ is the issue. Christ is who's relevant. Circumcision was the foreshadowing that one day Christ would cut away our wicked flesh and make us new in Jesus Christ. Make us as righteous in the eyes of God as the Son of God. That's what the scripture teaches us. For in baptism you see your old, the baptism of the Spirit, your old evil nature died with Christ and was buried with him. And then you came up out of death with him into new life because you trusted the word of God who raised him from the dead. You were dead in your sins, and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ, for he forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you, the list of commandments which you had not obeyed. He took this list of sins. He destroyed it by nailing it to the cross of Christ. 
In this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you ever again of sin. And God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. Do you get that? All of your sin, all the charges against you, whatever they were, they're gone. The law is gone. The commandments are gone. And you stand before God, righteous, and as we looked at last week, without fault, without blame, without spot, without blemish. Totally, completely forgiven, righteous in God's eyes. Now listen to this. So don't let anyone criticize you for what you eat or drink or not celebrating the Jewish holidays, feasts, or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. For these were only temporary rules that ended when Christ came. They were only shadows of the real thing of Christ himself. Don't let anyone declare you lost when you refuse to worship angels as they say you must. They have seen a vision, they say, and now you should as well. These proud men, though they claim to be so humble, have a very clever imagination, but they're not connected to Christ, the head, to which all of us who are his body are joined. For we are joined together by his strong sinews, and we grow only as we get our nourishment from Christ, from God. Now, this is very important. This is very important. Very important that you get this. There are a lot of people today who think these old Jewish laws you still need to obey to be right with God. This is very important you grasp this, all right? We are right with God because of Christ, not because of anything we do. You may study the Hindu, you may study the Buddhist, you may study all kinds of people who deny themselves and go through great self-denial in the hopes that they might somehow be accepted by God. You will not. Nothing you do as an act of religious piety in which you are striving to earn the favor of God will ever get you the favor of God. It's only Christ. It's only Christ. Now, this is important that you understand. So people have asked me over the years, Mark, what do you think about the Sabbath? The Sabbath was symbolic, if you read the book of Hebrews that Paul also write, of the Sabbath rest when we could rest from our physical striving to somehow please God and rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ from now through all eternity, the rest of our lives, we're at rest. He provides that rest. That rest. We are right with God. Now, some then use this passage for license for unholy living. But you need to understand the context. You've heard me say, some of you said, well, Mark, so why then have you talked about living such a disciplined life? Because we are to live a disciplined life. There are things we are to abstain from. There are things that are unholy. We abstain from them in order to live a God-honoring life, not to earn the favor of God. That's a big difference. That's a night and day difference. Legalism, legalism is not somebody telling you it'd be a good idea to have a quiet time. It's a real good idea to have a quiet time. It's a real good idea to be able to this book the Bible commands us to, God commands us to. That's not legalism. Legalism is when you are doing some activity in which you believe it will gain you 
greater favor in God's eyes and acceptance than what Christ gave you in his death, burial, and resurrection. Conversely, if you read the same man, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Corinthians, he says this. Therefore, I beat my body. I make it my slave. I make it do what I want it to do. I run in such a way as to win. I don't box aimlessly, but I run straight towards the goal, straight towards the prize. I go into strict discipline. That is not asceticism. That's the mark of a godly man or woman. That's the mark of a man or woman who understands that I have a purpose in my life. I have a focus in my life to live a God-honoring life and be a light and a witness to this world for my Savior. But in Colossians, it's very important you don't mix those up. Because then he goes on to say, and I'm going to close with this. This is important. Uh, sorry, my marker came out. i got to turn the page. Since you died, as it were, with Christ, and he has set you free from following the world's ideas of how to be saved by doing good and obeying various rules, why do you keep right on following them anyway, still bound by such rules as don't eat, don't eat meat on Friday, eat fish, tasting or even touching certain foods? Such rules are mere human teachings, for food was made to be eaten and used up. These rules may seem good, for the rules of this kind require strong devotion and are humiliating and hard on the body, but they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. They, in fact, only make him proud. Proud. You see, our pride is in Christ. Our pride and hope is in Christ. He's the Savior. That brings such rest to your soul. Men and women, listen. There is nothing you need to do to add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. God is pleased with you because of Christ. God accepts you because of Christ. You have eternal hope because of Christ. Period. Period. Let's pray. Next week we'll continue the book of Colossians. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, for the treasure that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you tonight. We honor you that you are willing to come down here and live an obedient life to the point of death. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you loved us and love us so passionately that you gave us your very life. I still, Lord, after all these years, as I have my own children, as I have my own grandbabies, and I hold them in my arms, I cannot fathom, fathom trading my little baby's life and allowing them to be brutalized and beaten for some of the wicked people that I know in this world. I, I can't even fathom it. I can just tell you, Lord, I wouldn't do it. I am so humbled and so grateful and thankful, Lord, for what you've done. Bless you, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Fill us with the joy of Jesus Christ and what he's done. Amen.